Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, Is that the audio version of the angst? Seven games in for the Cub fan? Is that what that is? Zach Withers? Sounds like Helter 100%. Skelter to me. Yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, it's some ugliness. You're down five and a half games to a a division champ that looks to be supremely confident and very very equipped to uh, keep rolling. The supposed expected bullpen problems for the Milwaukee Brewers have not manifested. Even without Corey Knebel, they have the third best bullpen ERA yeah. in the National League. Man, I'm not sold on their pitching. I'm not sold on their starting I pitching. It. They got two young guys that are really good. Really big arms in Burns and Woodruff, but they're going to have to prove it to me. They're going to have to show it to me mm-hmm. that they can, you know, Woodruff, big strikeout guy, first time out, struck out 12 yesterday, struggled through four, right? Uh, they're going to have to show me that they're starting pitchers, that they can get six. I, I, I know the strength of their team last year was certainly their bullpen, which was awesome, but they're smart people over there in Milwaukee. They know they can't replicate what they did last year. Remember when a lot of Cub fans wanted to get Lorenzo Cain? That would have been good. Remember when a lot of Cub fans wanted to find a way to make a deal for Christian Yelich? That would have been good. Those guys are absolutely uh, key to what the Brewers do. I'm looking right here at the top 10 batters in Major League Baseball, according to OPS, on base plus slugging. And there's some names in here like Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, who's off to a ridiculous start, Christian Yelich, Bryce Harper, these are the guys having great starts. Hey, Wilson Contreras is in there having a great start. And right there, number five in all of baseball. And in terms of the American League, the best offensive player in the American League so far is Yoan Moncada. One, three, nine, four is the OPS. Remarkable. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's a week, it's a sample size, but. Nonetheless, but it was there in spring. I watched too, it. Yeah, I right? watched it all spring. What'd you see? I just saw a guy that it was more aggressive in his approach in the count, Matt, and a guy that wasn't looking to go deep in a count. Uh, I think we saw last year. Here's a guy that struck out 217 times and took 85 called strikes. Okay, so for for strike three, right? So 85 that, backwards. So K's. so you know the the good people with the White Sox and. Uh, you know, Todd Steverson, the, the hitting instructor, um, they they talked a lot about being more aggressive in the counts. When I talked to Ozzie Guillen at the ballpark yesterday, Moncada came up to both of us, and uh, Ozzie backed away from me for a second, talked to Moncada, and he said, keep hitting the ball down. You know, so n- not having the, uh, the, the uppercut swing, uh, leveling it off, and being more uh, involved in, in finding your pitch at one and one or two and one or even the first pitch mm-hmm. is something that's been successful for for him since spring training. In other words, we we saw him, you know, see 
very deep counts. He was very similar to Ian Happ in the fact that they they saw a lot of pitches, but they were not. They did not capitalize on the pitch that they could have done some damage to earlier in the count. And it, I think that's the concentration. It's a good comp because both of them were kind of expecting a level of respect from umpires and pitching staffs alike that you have to earn first. And Moncada right. is now earning it by hitting the ball very hard in lots of directions from both sides of the plate. Right. And, um, and you know what? Even now, with that early aggression – it's given him the confidence that even yesterday as he went very deep into a couple of counts, I believe it was a 3-2 uh, count when he hit what was almost the grand right. slam. Two strikes on him on bo- both big hits. All right, so two strikes on him on both times, which is it's so so it's already translating over into the situations where he's had some trouble. It's it's a terrific sign. And with him and Tim Anderson there on the left side, it's, uh, you know, and you're watching Luis Robert hit two home runs at double-A and Zach Collins hit two home runs the other night at triple-A. There's, there's a lot to feel good about, even with Eloy Jimenez getting off to a slow start. Yeah, and again, um, if there were any key guys, you know, coming into the season, certainly everybody's looking at Eloy and, uh, you know, possible rookie of the year type movement, but it's Mankata and Anderson and the young pitchers, Giolito Lopez. Those are the guys that if Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams had any angst, that's where their concentration is. For our rebuild to continue to move on, the maturation and the player development at this level, that's the key thing for them to look at. You know, when Rick Hahn was on the station last week with our Lawrence Holmes in studio, he hinted at possibly signing guys to these preemptive contract extensions who were even at double A that he, he that went all the way down there. And I think, I think he might've been talking about Dylan Cease. Well, yeah, yesterday, uh, Scott Merkin had on MLB.com fact that he was able to confirm uh, that they had conversations with Cease and his agent. It hasn't gone anywhere, Fascinating. But, but, but that is, and Jerry DePoto with us last hour, talked about that too that you know people are just looking at their young guys and their belief in them and saying you know the future is now we're signing you to a contract now because we believe so much in you and we want you to be a Seattle Mariner for your entire career and we believe that you're going to be an impact player and we're going to save money on you and you're going to make a lot of money right now by signing this contract five or six years early. I wonder how signing a guy that young would impact their usage obviously you're not worried about service time so you bring them right up but also does it mean you're kind of willing to to get as much as you can out of them right away you know matt when it comes to pitching i think yes i think there's a great belief out there that you cannot save on pitchers you cannot save their innings you can't save their arm if you believe in them and the quality you see you Mm -hmm. get them to the major leagues as quickly as possible with position players i think there's that feeling you know what? You, you, we we've got to see the twelve hundred to fifteen hundred at bats in the minor leagues before we promote you. Mm-hmm. But with the arms, let's go ahead and bring you up I, and use the, you. It's just too tenuous. We see too many Tommy Johns. We see too much attrition. You know, get him in and get him into a major league uniform. This hour of Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Let's go to the phones. Bob is in Milwaukee on the score. Hello, Bob. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. I'd like to tap into my Cubs frustration a bit with you guys. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, lay down on that couch, go ahead, and tell us all you know. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I would say, you know, since Theo took over the Cubs, 
you've had a really good feeling as a Cubs fan that they're ahead of the curve, right? They're setting trends that the league follows, and you felt really good about that. And, you know, now in the era of power arms everywhere, you know, every team seems mm-hmm. to have these mid-20-year-olds who throw in the upper 90s with, with great breaking stuff everywhere but the Cubs bullpen. I don't see it in the Cubs pen, and I know they talk organizationally about some guys like Webster and a few of their other younger arms, but, you know, I just have to believe if those guys were ready and willing, ready to contribute, we'd see them right now. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, when Theo took over, there was such a microscope on the, the minor league and the, uh, the entire organization, and rightfully so. And as, you know, they started to win, rightfully so, the focus is on the major league team, but I just don't understand why the organization in the minor leagues is so dry right, right. now because, you know, I know it's easier to draft when you're picking third and fourth, but if you look at the top farm systems in baseball, you still see the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros. So I think, you know, you're starting to see accumulation of the organizational depth really isn't there right now. And if you combine that with this, this lack of money, budget constraints, it's really frustrating as a fan because you're you're wondering how are they gonna how are they gonna write the ship how are they gonna improve you know if the, if things keep you know look at the the Nationals last year a team with a ton of talent that had bullpen issues and they you know all year you know you're waiting for them to make a run and it never happened so you know I hope that isn't what happens with the Cubs this year but you don't see the organizational options and we know they have budget problems so it. It, it, it's not inspiring. It's yeah. It's it, it's hard. It's hard to really be anywhere but but um, but down. It's hard to be balanced and calm in this particular well, moment, even Bob, though it's so absurdly early. Bob Bob's call is so good from the perspective of identifying that there are no real young power arms in that bullpen, and more importantly, there's really no power arms in the rotation. Uh, there are guys that are finesse pitchers that know how to get people out. You know, you see John Lester at this point of his career, certainly a finesse pitcher, 11 straight years, making 32 starts. You see Hamels, 11 out of 12 years, making 32 starts. So the conversation for Epstein and Hoyer is based on we have guys that are seasoned pros and winners that know how to get people out without power arms. We don't have to worry about it. But the point, Matt, that the minor leagues haven't contributed those arms for fortification and that uh, Epstein and Hoyer have, have had to step out way too much in the trade area to try to bring people in is true. And uh, you just can't keep going to the well. You you obviously can't keep spending up to $300 million. You can't make great trades all the time. Epstein and Hoyer made some really good deals last year. Certainly bringing in Chavez was a lifesaver. It, it helped them uh, even be a playoff pitcher after they lost um they lost Brandon Morrow and then they lost um 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 Strope, I'm sorry. Pedro Strope, they lost Strope while, early yeah. in September and without the contributions from Wilson and from Chavez they wouldn't have made it. You know, it, it, there will be there will be time to talk big picture stuff uh, during the course of this year. Maybe more time than we'd like, uh, depending on how things go right. uh, for the Cubs. But 
you know, what the what Theo and Jed and Jason McLeod did in Boston was take advantage of a couple different market inefficiencies, one of which was spending more in the draft by drafting guys, um, you know, by paying them over their draft slot. And that went away. That advantage went away. And then they found another advantage by paying more internationally, right? And they went out and they got Jorge Soler and some of these other guys. And then that advantage went away just in terms of rules around the league. And it evened the playing field in some ways that now you're seeing the truly better drafters, at least recently, and the truly more aggressive, fiscally responsible guys. I keep thinking about Andrew Friedman and the Dodgers. The the way that the Dodgers are built is is so solid in terms of the long view that I admire some of the things that that they have done and and wish the Cubs were in that kind of place. It initially was based on them outspending people, and then they backed away from it. Dodgers. Then they came down, Dodgers. Yes, yeah. and and they've used yeah. their money in interesting ways. Right. Whether they they spend a lot for an international guy and then right. trade him for prospects, and, and, and no real other than re upping with Kershaw and an occasional three year sign here and there. There's no long term commitments to pitching there. So uh, what they've done is, is they've added an awful lot of veteran pitching, bringing in their own young pitching, and not you know look at innings pitch for their starting pitchers. Over the last couple of years, nobody's even coming close to 200 innings because they have depth in that area and they've used it and that and the injured list to their their benefit. They've, they've done a beautiful job of both. Yeah. And I mean, even like their guy, Julio Urias, who's back and, and pitching, he's going to have one more start, but then he's going back to the pen when right. either Kershaw or Rich Hill comes back. They're just, they continue And, and they deep. look at that as saving bullets, you know, for when they need them and not and not looking at the old way of we got to get 200 innings out of our starting pitchers. That, that is gone. I think we had 13 or 14 that did that mm-hmm. last year. So the, the, the new 200 is 175 when it comes to starting pitching. This is Chris in Springfield on the score. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hi. You guys have been talking about the White Sox outfielders, but I didn't hear Rick Hahn last week or you guys mention uh, oh, the one they got from the Cardinals that was injured last yeah, year. Yeah, Charlie Tilson. Yeah, what's his status? Do you think he'll be back up, or is he going to be he's traded? At, or? He's at AAA. He's starting down there. He's finally healthy again. Uh, he was actually waived, and the White Sox re-signed him again uh, at the end of last year. So um, he's a real. He's he's mostly a rebuild space filler, though, like Nicky Delmonico, isn't he? Well, you know, he was a speed player that they got uh, initially for Duke uh, when they started. He was actually the first trade. When they said, you know what, we're we're starting our rebuild, and this was in the uh, the end of the summer of 2016, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, they that that was their first move of we're getting a younger player for the future, and we're trading Zach Duke. We're not expecting to to uh, compete at the end of this year. I, I don't want to be too harsh by calling him and Delmonico rebuild space fillers, but I mean that's what they have been for the past couple years. Could yeah. either of those guys be a decent fifth outfielder on a very good team? I think Tilson might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the but, speed especially. But he came up last year, and one of his strengths was supposed to be defense, and he wasn't very good. So uh, they're, they, they're giving him another shot. Like I said, he was waived and cleared waivers and re-signed again. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe a fifth outfielder on a very – 
strong team. Uh, and certainly, if the White Sox have any strength in their system, it appears to be outfielders. This is uh, Phil in Lombard on the score. Phil wants to talk about Joe Madden. There's another caller on who I think has different thoughts on Joe Madden, but let's hear Phil. What's up, man? Uh, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to call, and I think, you know, honestly, I think right now is probably – and I know the Cubs won't do it, is they, is, is when they need Joe Madden the most and his calming effect. And they need to show some I, – I, I would like – I would honestly – I think it's, it's a perfect time to sign him to an extension. They need to show the players <laughs> that they appreciate Joe and that, I mean, the, the what he's done over the last four years, in my opinion, has been incredible with the Cubs. Um, I think if you look in, in order of failures, you know, from the end of last year into this year, I think number one is the front office. And, and I'm just going to mention – you know, Darvish, Hayward, Chatwood, Dunsing, Kinsler, um, Morrill. Uh, number two would be the players. I mean, the guys who had bad years last year, Contreras, Russell, Bryant, Hayward, Darvish, Chatwood, Dunsing, Kinsler, Edwards. Only two guys had, like, either average or above average years last year. That was Rizzo and Baez. Correct. Um, and Joe still somehow won 95 games. You know, I, I look at the Indians. You know, Terry Francona hasn't done near what – with the Indians, what Madden has done with the Cubs, you know, they showed confidence in him just recently and extended him. I honestly think that, you know, um, they just let, they, at this point, they need Joe Moore never, you know, he didn't in that little bit of, there was a clip where he mentioned where he brought a couple teams back from terrible starts. Right. And, and I think they need him more now than ever. And they really need to, I, I see that look at his face on the, on the, in, in the dugout. It's, it's looked like he's almost, not even in, in control right now. It's, it's, everything's being pushed from above. Interesting call, Phil. It's awkward. It, 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 this is awkward. He has been either straight up undermined, if you want to go that far, or at least mildly chopped off at the knees in terms of his power and his voice. And and I, I, think, I think it's a, it's a dangerous time to have your manager in that space because this team needs an atmosphere provider to get them to play loose and confident. So the David Bodie money should have gone to Joe. Well... I, I don't I, I don't think that they want uh, I don't I, I I said a couple of years ago I, I didn't think Joe was going to sign another contract here mm-hmm. I, I think that they got Joe for exactly what he has done and I don't think they see more than a four or five year window for Joe and I think that's the way they felt fairly early on actually yeah and but but it's also reflective in what they've done with his coaching staff yeah absolutely you know I mean there there's been a uh, a change of philosophy uh, of uh, going to youth and more guys that have been involved with their system before as far as looking at their coaches. Let's see if it works. Right now, as you said, when you look at Joe on the bench, and obviously the cameras come there when things are going bad, not when they're going good, mm-hmm. it does look awkward. It really does. You know, it does look – it doesn't look Joe-like right now. And I, I don't necessarily have a finger to point any direction. I just want to see how that shakes out. I mean, they've, they've told the players to have more BP. Uh, they listened to the players. The players right. drove this. So some stuff that the players have wanted and have not voiced to Joe or have voiced to Joe and they haven't gotten their way, they ended up voicing in exit interviews to the big bosses, and Joe has been forced to change. But here we are. You need a guy to keep them loose and calm and and excited and positive, and that's been Joe's strength his entire career. It's just it's a difficult moment to do it. When we come back, uh, Joe might have a different opinion. Phil, Mike, Brian, hold on. Try to get you all in before we talk to Pat Hughes and close out the show at 11 o'clock. It's inside the clubhouse, 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The playoff-bound Chicago Wolves look to clinch their third straight division title tonight and tomorrow afternoon. Both games are full of great promotions and have free parking courtesy of Kia. Tickets start at $12. Visit ChicagoWolves.com for information. As a pitching staff, the Chicago Cubs, the overall pitching staff, has a hard contact rate of 46.4%. That is second worst in all of baseball behind the San Francisco Giants. Um, the, in a swing and miss league, Bruce Levine, they do not have a swing and miss pitching staff. Well, the uh, the more telling number to me is 46 walks in 57.1 innings. That is a, that is a huge number. Uh, leads all of baseball, of course, in, uh, in walks. And that is... That is something that they they talk about in every staff. You know, we're not going to walk people. We aren't giving free passes, and it's been it's been the downfall for them uh, as well as the counts themselves. Uh, if you watched very early in the game yesterday, you saw a telling at bat by Christian Yelich, eleven pitch at bat, mm-hmm. and then doing damage on that eleventh pitch. Uh, that's that's everything Cub like from 2016, where you would see Fowler at the top of the order taking long at bats, and even if he made an out, the rest of the lineup saw everything that that pitcher had that particular day. So Joe Madden and the security is already the angle here, and the effect that it might be having on the way that the team is managed. You saw this coming. You knew as soon as they got off to a bad start or had a bad stretch sometime in the first couple months, that's where the conversation would be. Uh, this is Joe in Kankakee on 670 The Score. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get you guys' take on uh, – I, I, I just get a feeling that Matt doesn't have good chemistry with uh, players. I don't think he ever did. I think the team won in spite of him. And uh, – I think uh, there was a lot of a lot of things that the reason I say this, I may be totally wrong. It's just my gut feeling. Uh, for one thing, I I couldn't that, that thing he did. I know it may be not important, but it, it just drove me crazy when he gave Addison Russell at a or read a book, read some highbrow book, and write a report on it. Who does he think he is? Uh, John Ausman from the Paper Chase? <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's trying to show how smart he is. I, I, the guy just turns me off. You know, <laughs> it's Phil Jackson. It's Phil Jackson reincarnate in that way. But I, I didn't expect a Paper Chase reference. Um, I, 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 I mean, look, question. I understand his frustration. Uh-huh. I don't see any of that. Uh, the, you, if you can name me one player, even off the record, that thinks Joe has been off. I haven't I haven't seen the guy yet. In this town and haven't, haven't and, seen and, him. and in this town and nationally a stunning thing happened which is that a manager won the world series and yet his respect level went down. Because Maybe by some fans. I, I, not not in that room. Not you don't think at all. No, in that no, room. No, I mean, how about in the rooms above how, that room? How about would you well how how, the rooms across the street just, from that room? Let's just concentrate on the room. Even off the record, people that you talk to, where where have you ever heard a player saying, "Not a Joe guy"? Now, I I might have during when Davey Martinez was there and Hector Rondon was around, 
Hector Rondon wasn't a big fan of Joe Madden, but Davey Martinez was there, and Hector Rondon was a big fan of Davey Martinez. Mm -hmm. So that was all taken care of. Uh, As far as people saying, you know, Joe is just not handling us right, not handling the situation right, I don't think you're going to hear that out of that room. Well, the moves that were made in the offseason from above – Seemed to be the kind of stuff that players came to the bosses about, not, circ- not about circumventing Joe. the manager. Not they about circumvented Joe. Him. It was about the it was about the hitting coach. Yeah, you know, which was Joe's choice. And it, I don't think he he was circumvented because these were exit uh, these were exit interviews that were made with every single player and that's every fair. single coach. That's fair. So th- that's a moment when you're asking for honesty yeah. and looking back yeah. and reflection. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. And, and it's important, as you point out, it's important about their input, but I don't think anybody said Joe kind of lost it here. I I really don't. Let's go. Let's take one more phone call. This is Mike in Evanston on the score. Hello, Mike. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing? Love your show. Thank you, sir. Um, Yeah, so I think irrespective whether or not Joe was the manager going going into this year, the Cubs would be in the same position. Um, With that said, you know, the, the front office didn't make any moves to help Joe or the Cubs at all. They've got they I thought I was a fool to think that the Cubs got better in the offseason. They didn't. They got worse. Um and I think it might be you know, a lot of the stuff might be created within the, the front office. Um about this, you know, negative feeling of Joe. But I think the <laughs> Cubs are in last place come May. I wouldn't be surprised if we see every player on the block in terms of a quick rebuild. The Yankees did it, did it successfully, the Cubs could do it. And I'm not saying, you know, well, I don't know. I'm not going to say no one's no one's untradeable, but you might look at a guy like Bryant to get bring in a mm-hmm. quick haul. You might look at like a Contreras. Well, we, but, uh, we heard rumblings last year. Hey, you know what? Maybe you do a quick re- reset. I mean, they they need it. Uh, unless they know something we don't know in AAA. You know, with some of these pitchers coming up. You know, I'm I'm tired of of, of Edwards out there. He ain't got it. Hayward, I can't stand to see in the lineup. You know, uh, I don't know that. Something's got to be done if they're if they're in last place come May. I mean, it's got to be quick. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. 670, the score is where you are. It's awfully early to have some of these feelings, but the Brewers are good, and you're five and a half back, and the team urgency has hey, not played with You urgency. have to understand the frustration, you know, especially because, as we pointed out, uh, the whole focus from last October is we're getting off to a good start. That was it. Right. So, conversationally, I mean, at least they've done this to themselves. A, but... Uh, I would just pull people back from the ledge and say, let the baseball please a season play out a little bit. Yeah, we are uh, still in the third quarter of game one of the metaphorical yeah. football season that the baseball season slog is. We'll get the take from Pat Hughes, the, the great voice of the Chicago Cubs, when we come back. It's 6-7 in the score. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel inside the clubhouse. A 2-2 drilled in the air. Deep right field, back toward the wall, and it's a three-run home run. Milwaukee has hit their fifth home run of the game. Eric Thames, a three-run homer as a pinch hitter. And they once again have their eight-run cushion. It is 13-5. High light? Low light, courtesy of 670 to score. I um, I don't like hearing sad, resigned Pat Hughes in a moment like that. 
I mean, that, that's what it is. It, it, I'm not saying it wasn't well, appropriate. You know, the good news, Matt, was that they <sighs> fought back for three more runs, didn't they? They did. That eight-run that eight uh, cushion. I mean, there's, there's plenty of fight in the Chicago Cubs, and there's plenty of good calls ahead as we bring in the voice of the Chicago Cubs, who you hear on 670 The Score for every game, along with uh, our good friend Ron Coomer and Zach Sademan. Pat Hughes joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Pat. Bruce, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Um, I was thinking of something the late, great Harry Carey told me many, many years ago when he and I worked together. He said, Pat, when you sign up as a baseball broadcaster, you don't just sign up for the good games. You <laughs> sign up for every game. And uh, how, how true that is. Yeah, indeed. Pat, uh, you know, you're around the team every day, as, as Ron is, and of course, Zach Zaidman, who does such a great job in the pre and post, and in the fifth inning, joining you guys, um, what, what do you see anything different? Do you, do you catch any different vibe, or is it as we've talked about uh, on the show and on the station for the last week? It's just the first week of the season, and no matter how poorly or great you get off, you have to have, allow the season to have its own flow. Well, that's that's true, Bruce. It's um, um, the, the game is so much about and the starting pitching and keeping your team in the game. And we just haven't seen that on a, on a regular basis so far. John Lester has pitched two very good games. Uh, one of the leads in his games uh, slipped away. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, in fairness to him, Monday night, I think only two were earned. But, um, you know, Jose Quintana last night just did not have it. And uh, Cole Hatton needs to pitch a good game. He needs to pitch five, six innings and give up maybe – one or no runs and allow the offense to, to get a lead, and then you can turn it over to the bullpen. But they really do need some better pitching, both from the starters and the bullpen. We'd heard rumors that there might be a pitching move or two today in the bullpen. It's gone past frustration for some fans with Carl Edwards, and it's gone to, it's gone to empathy. Uh, he, looks, he looks lost up there. I, I worry about his confidence and his comfort level because more than, even more than just the mechanics, he just doesn't look, uh, doesn't look solid up there. Well, he's, he's had a couple of wobbly outings, Matt. There's no question about it, but he has such a great arm. You, you know that he's capable of putting together 10 or 15 good consecutive bullpen appearances in a row, and the Cubs could certainly use that. But he's been a, he's been a force. Uh, for the last couple of years. And if you look at the hits to the innings pitched in the last two seasons, he's got some very impressive numbers. He's a strikeout guy, which comes in handy in those spots in the seventh and eighth inning when you've got maybe the tying run at third base and less than two outs. He can get the strikeouts, but he has struggled. Again, it's kind of a a team-wide epidemic right now where the pitching is just not uh, doing the job that everyone thought they would do. And Everyone knows they're capable of doing. Pat, uh, we've talked to a few of our callers, and we, you know, we have wonderful listeners with great insight. And you know, one of them brought up a, a great point about the fact that there aren't a lot of power arms uh, coming into the Cubs system right now. There aren't a lot of them there on the pitching staff. You know, the the starting rotation is outside of Darvish, who was supposed to be more of a power pitcher, is a finesse staff. The bullpen certainly was counting on. Uh, on, on CJ and uh, Strope to add some power toward the end. But for the most part, you know, you don't see the 98, 99 that you see in a lot of other places. And I know there's 
other ways to get people out. These are accomplished bullpen guys that have had really good careers, but nonetheless, um, it has to be done in a different fashion for the for the Cubs right now. Well, you think a guy. It was good to see him uh, come into last night's game and, and throw some strikes after he struggled in the one game in Atlanta. Uh, Steve is not really a power pitcher, but he throws a lot of strikes, has that wicked breaking ball, and outs. And, and Bruce, I think after all these years, that's the one thing that you just focus on. Is the guy getting outs? Mm-hmm. Is he getting the key outs when he has to, or is he not? And everything else, power pitcher or finesse pitcher or throwing change-ups or throwing 98 miles an hour, to me that doesn't matter nearly as much as the bottom line. Is he getting the key outs? Pat, um, looking at a couple of the good things that are going on, uh, Wilson Contreras is one of the top 10 offensive players in baseball so far, according to On Base Plus Slugging. Uh, What do you see different about Wilson Contreras on a daily basis? He's aggressive. Uh, He's going up there with – a good aggressive approach. He's he's uh, taking good cuts. He's making solid contact. And you always like to see a catcher do some uh, offensive work early in the season, nature of that job, where physically, so that you really don't see catchers too many times have months of August and September. So uh, you you got to your, your main offensive work if you're an offensive oriented catcher uh, from the months of April through July, I would say, and then. You hope for the best, but again, just squatting, catching, taking up your legs, um, it, it just tends to be down physically. Uh, we're having a little technical problem with your phone, Pat, so uh, we're going to try to reestablish you right now with uh, Zach, so okay. uh, so hang in there. Uh, baseballvoices.com is where you can find some of Pat's uh, great calls. He also has these great Hall of Fame uh CDs to sell and uh, the 2016, uh, you know, uh, autographed final uh, game where he'll send you his uh, his scorecard sign uh, is also awesome. Also, the 20 strikeout game that uh, Kerry Wood had is also signed by Pat. So great to to go out and online and, and pick that up. Baseballvoices.com as we. We try to reestablish Pat Hughes. Hello. Hi, Pat. I'm here, Bruce. Yeah, I was just selling some of your wares on BaseballVoices.com while you were uh, being reestablished. When you look at, Pat, when you when you look at uh, the offense right now, you've had three games where the team has scored 10 runs or more. Only you've won one of those. But the offense, if you're looking for a positive, the way they fought back in a lot of these games is encouraging. Absolutely. Daniel Descalso is another very bright spot. He he lashed out last night, including a long three-run homer. Uh, I think he's going to be a very nice addition to this ball club. But you're right, Bruce. The offense is not the problem. Uh, Chris Bryant had a couple of hits last night. Anthony Rizzo's uh, gone deep a couple of times. Javier Baez with three home runs early in the going. Um, but um, there's nothing wrong with the offense. They're They're scoring plenty of runs enough runs to win a good percentage of the games. It's just simply a matter of the pitching not holding down the opposition. When you look at the Brewers across the way and on the field last night in front of you, they look like a very confident, uh, energetic bunch. Um, and they were very good last year. They're off to a very good start. Again, they have they have kind of an air about them, don't they, Pat? They do. They do. And that, that Christian Yelich, if you were to 
and maybe it's difficult to do in a long three hour and 40 minute game to pinpoint one at bat that really was kind of a turning point. I would maybe, and Ron Coomer brought it up late in the game. It was the at bat by Christian Yelich in the first inning against Quintana. Quintana made several excellent pitches, fastballs and cutters and breaking balls. And Yelich was able to stay alive, fouling off those tough pitches. Ultimately, he drilled an opposite alley double to drive in the game's first run. But whenever a pitcher does that and, and requires pitches to try to get a guy out and you make great pitches, he fouls them off, and then eventually the batter gets the big hit. That's got to have a demoralizing effect on the pitcher, and I think it really did last night with Quintana. Pat, uh, BaseballVoices.com, what can people find there right now for uh, their their uh, love of the game and the interest of great collectibles? Well, I was I was thinking, and you're so kind. Thank you. And I was thinking of, if Bruce does ask, I'm going to say with the Cubs really struggling, <laughs> maybe it's not appropriate to even bring it up. But then again, <laughs> uh, maybe some Cub fans might want to feel good and be reminded of the World Series championship of 2016. So we've got the seven scorecards, and I'm more than happy to sign them and personalize them. For example, to Bruce or to Matt, the Chicago Cubs win the World Series at to baseballvoices.com and They've been a very popular item. And, and again, um, it's the Cubs are going through a tough time. One more thing about Harry Carey that gave me a laugh, and I think we all laugh right now. Steve Stone once told me that Harry Carey would argue for exercise. And just Harry getting into an argument and saying, wait a minute, I'm going to put on my running shoes and my sweatbands. Okay, now I'm ready to argue. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Hey, Pat. But anyway, uh, you guys, keep we'll a- be there tonight. We'll All be right. there tomorrow. I can't wait for the home opener at Wrigley on Monday. And uh, the Cubs are going to be just fine. All right, Pat. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, you joining Pat. us. Pat Hughes uh, from Milwaukee, where you'll hear the broadcast tonight. Uh, I believe it's at, uh, is it a 610 start tonight? It is, it is a 610 start tonight up there in yeah. Milwaukee. Pre-game 30 minutes before with our good Zach, Zach Zaidman doing a great job there. Yeah, it is true. Um, you know, a few people have reminded along the way that last year the the Dodgers started out 2-6, and six, um, and they stayed under 500. For a good long while, uh, seventeen and twenty-six they were at one point, nine right. games under five hundred that far into the season, and they turned it on. And we have certainly seen things like that. It's just it's too much quality on that Cub team for them to, to to play too much like this. You know, the bullpen does have to get straightened out. That's for sure. Yeah, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some moves either today. Or tomorrow on that front. Matt, you're up next with our good friend Steve Rosenblum for a good long time. Uh, Congrats on uh, Hit and Run tomorrow starting at 9 o'clock. Thank you, show. Looking forward to that. I'll be tuning in. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, We have Jerry DePoto, general manager of the Seattle Mariners, and Pat Hughes of the Cubs uh, and our broadcast team to thank. Uh, People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also, on our website, I write on Cubs and Sox every day, 670thescore.com. Have a great week, Matt. Thanks, Bruce. This this hour is brought to you by Campland RV. It's Campland RV's huge tent event from April 5th through the 14th. Find great deals just in time for camping season. Go to camplandrv.com for details. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. Saturday Suckage is next with Steve Rosenblum.
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.